I just heard my favorite band is in town. I'd love to get good seats, but everywhere I've looked, the ticket sites have crazy service fees. Haven't you heard of Tick Splits? Who? Tick Splits. They don't gouge you with crazy fees. The price they advertise is the price you pay, plus a small delivery fee. Never pay service fees again. Go to TIXBLITZ.com today. TickSplits.com. Guaranteed seats, low prices. That's TickSplits.com. Every ticket, every venue, everywhere. Welcome, welcome, everybody, to another episode of Haltech Hall. Good morning, Mr. Haltech. How are you? Good morning, Double A, and thanks to our listeners. And just want to remind everybody, this uh, this podcast is rated for everyone. So bring your kids along, huddle up to your uh, whatever you listen on, whether it's a, a computer or an iPad or your cell phone, and uh, we'll learn a little bit about some Bears history as always, and of course, uh, we get to talk about a Bears victory the first time in several weeks. We've had the pleasure of doing that. So uh, uh, welcome, everybody, and thanks again to our sponsor, TickSplits.com. TickSplits, no service fees, and uh, they're, they're just a great sponsor. They've given away tickets to every single Bears home game this year. In fact, they gave away two sets of two tickets uh, to the Detroit game this past weekend. One was to a veteran uh, in honor of, of the NFL's salute to service. So we can't thank TickSplits enough for doing what they do for us, for the Tailgate Show, and uh, all the other podcasts that they sponsor. So uh, how you doing today? You, are you breaking out through this cold weather, or are you feeling better? You, you were, God, you were sick for quite a while, and it's nice to see and hear your voice. You got the color back in your face. It's great to see you feeling a lot better, Aaron. Yeah, you know, uh, doing fine. Um, the 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 wind certainly helps the mood. Uh, you know, the weather has turned. It uh, feels like January in Chicago right now. It's unfortunate, but uh, at least we had a win. Uh, we went 42 days without a win, and uh, that's not a stretch that anybody wanted to go through. Um, and certainly it wasn't... Uh, a, a pretty win, but we'll take it. We needed some kind of win, and uh, I feel like it's at least something that the team can build on. And I think uh, the the mood in general uh, around the team has switched a bit, and my mood certainly uh, regarding them has switched. And perhaps uh, now that uh, sort of the team has nothing to lose, um, you know, they can go on a little run here. Uh, I think the next uh, stretch of games actually sets up uh, pretty well for them to to make a little bit of noise. So um, it's uh, definitely a different uh, vibe and tone uh, than it was after the the loss against the Eagles. We're going to get into the game coming up against the Rams after we talk about the Bears' victory this past Sunday. And when you take a look at it, two weeks ago you're thinking – uh, geez, they got to play the Rams. They're going to get killed. But when you start peeling back the layers of the onion, 
you've got two teams that are very, very similar. So we're going to get into that after we talk about the Bears victory this past Sunday on uh, the day before Veterans Day. I don't know why the NFL doesn't put the, the Bears on Monday night on November 11th with all the pomp and circumstance that they can do at Soldier Field. You know, the shrine that honors veterans of all armed forces, and they really could do something special, and, and they continue to fall on their face. They did it last year, or they should say they didn't do it last year uh, by putting them on Sunday night football. They didn't do it again this year, and it's just a disservice to Veterans Day by not having them have Chicago host a big event uh, on this Veterans Day weekend that starts off the salute to service. Yeah, I mean, personally, I don't want the Bears to have another weird <clears throat> scheduled game, so I get what you're saying, but I don't. I, I would rather that not be the case. I don't think the Bears need any more national spotlight or uh, solo, you know, broadcast games or weird schedule. I mean, we've got plenty of that this season, but I do agree that the tie-in with Soldier Field would certainly be would be good. Um, I think the team does a great job, you know, with all the things that go on at the stadium on, on the day before veterans day. So it's always nice to see. Um, and I think it was good for the players, uh, to be involved in, in a lot of that stuff. And the league did a nice job with some of the letters and, um, things that they put together, little video packages on to, to veterans as well. This, uh, this next statement has nothing to do about the game. But I have to tell everybody who's listening that if you didn't see the pregame and didn't hear the soldier who performed the national anthem before the game, I have to tell you, one of the best renditions I've heard in a long, long time. And we're blessed in Chicago to have Wayne Mesmer and Jim Cornelison. But I got to tell you, Aaron, that rendition really sent chills down my spine Sunday afternoon. Did you go to the game? I did not, but it was oh, okay. but it was broad. It was no, broad, no, no, no. I know. I just I, I couldn't remember TV, if you so. were gonna go. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, it was just absolutely incredible. Yeah, they got to. I mean, the fans that were in attendance got to see uh, a great uh, pregame and uh, all those festivities and got to honor the veterans who were there. Um, you know, uh, I mentioned this on Twitter, but uh, you know, this is uh, every year. We get closer and closer to not having any more World War II veterans around. So if you uh, if you're if you have access to any or um, you know know anybody who who has any uh, friends who are World War II veterans, you know uh, get in touch with them. You know sit down with them. Try to uh, have a cup of coffee with them. Hear some stories uh, because this is uh, you know the the sadly uh, passing of are one of our greatest generations. I mean, what many call the greatest generation uh, of Americans. And uh, so let's let's uh, let's cherish them and let's try to hear their stories and maybe record their stories uh, before they're gone. Um, so you know, it's a it's a good reminder uh, this past weekend that uh, you know there's a lot bigger things in life than football. Uh, and I think in some way maybe that helped the team to. Uh, just go out and play a little looser because I felt like in general they they felt uh, it felt like once they got 
over the hump because, of course, they started very poorly again. Um, then, you know, they kind of broke through and you saw, you know, some some enjoyment uh, on their faces, especially Mitch. So it was good to see uh, that happen. One of the things that I didn't see during the game, or actually it was after the game, but somebody took a picture and, and posted it, uh, Khalil Mack and Mitch Trubisky just hugging it out on the field after the game speaks a volumes about what this team actually does believe in Mitch Trubisky. And, and I think that um, it was well-deserved, at least in that middle part of the game. But as you mentioned, they started, they started terribly soft and slow, and they finished terribly soft and slow. But those three possessions in the, the towards the end of the second quarter and into the third quarter gave us that spark that we've all been hoping to see. Because i got to tell you, that was some of the best football that Mitch has had ever since the second quarter of the Washington game. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, they had that, that breakthrough. Um, you know, I think they committed to the run, which is good to see, even though it wasn't necessarily working. Um, and thank goodness they got Shaheen out of the lineup. I hope he never comes back in the lineup. Um, you know, it's a, it's a shame that it's a second-round pick that is basically wasted, but he really brings nothing to the team. And we've been saying on the tailgate show that Broniker is capable and, and been kind of pounding the table for him to get his chance. And lo and behold, as soon as he gets his chance, we get our first tight end touchdown. Um, and, you know, I just hope they stick with it, you know, because I just uh, Shaheen has not earned through his play uh, any more chances. Um, so hopefully that goes, um, you know, continues to go the way it went. And you saw uh, Ryan Nall come up and he was active on special teams. Um, they they kind of did some different things, running some tosses on the on the run game. Um, and, you know, unfortunately, a lot of three and outs. I mean, that's really, you know, there's two stories of the game. There's the, the, the seven minutes where they scored a bunch of three touchdowns. And, and then there's the rest of the game where it was three and out after three and out after three and out and uh, very bad on third down. Um, and then, you know, unfortunately, the story of the defense, which kind of got, uh, you know, got a little bit worked by a, a backup quarterback um, and a team that basically has no running back. So, you know, at the end of the day, they won the game, um, but there's certainly a, a lot of things to build on, a lot of things to improve on. Um, but I think, you know, it's uh, it's something that they can really build on um, and, and the good feelings that they have uh, going forward will, will serve them a lot um, as we move into the next game. So let's talk about the good news of this game because there's still, unfortunately, plenty of bad to talk about. The good news of the game is Mitch Trubisky. Believe it or not, Mitch Trubisky, 16-23. He only had 173 yards, but he had three touchdown passes, no interceptions, and a, and a rating of, of 131. So, but you know what? The good news ends there. And I hate to say it, they only had... 82 yards rushing. Uh, they only targeted, combined the tight ends one time. They didn't even go towards uh, Trey Burton at all. I'm sorry. No, they he did. Got, he, he had got, one drop. He, he, he had, had a drop. one target and he dropped it. 
Yeah. Boniker only had one target. You got to tell you, that was a great pattern that he ran, and it was a great throw. Mitch Trubisky's throw on his third touchdown pass to Cohen, he threw it with anticipation. Cohen ran underneath it. Or, I'm sorry, Gabriel ran. Anticipation, the throw to Broniker with anticipation. Both touchdown passes were brilliant throws. So we got to give that to him. You know, he didn't have a lot of bad plays. The only the only problem was they didn't hold the ball long enough. They had three touchdown drives, and in the the third quarter after their their last touchdown drive, they punted the ball five straight times, and four of those five punts were after three and outs. And the only drive they had longer than seven plays was the 10-play drive right before halftime that led to a touchdown. That's a problem. That's a problem still going forward. Yep. Uh, I think, you know, you speak about that 10-play drive. uh, The big spark on that was, of course, going forward on – uh, fourth down on their own 29, uh, which was, you know, a bold move by Nagy, uh, uh, a vote of confidence, and then also, you know, just a kind of a, you know, line in the sand of saying, okay, like, this is it. We need to impose our will um, and get this thing going. And then, you know, it, it worked out. I mean, they, that 10-play, 80-yard touchdown drive, and then you get things going, and they come out in the second half, and, and they look – uh, very good initially, um, you know, but unfortunately, as is often the case with Nagy, uh, it seems like you find something that works and then you just forget about it. Um, you know, the, his third down calls were, were questionable at best for the rest of the game. Um, and I just felt like, OK, so you learned something by going for it on fourth and one. And then, you know, we're coming out and spread. Uh, we're taking David Montgomery off the field. I mean, there was a sequence where David Montgomery was running hard, making good runs, had really had to lather up. Everybody was feeling it. And then he comes off the field, comes off the field. We go two more plays and it's another third and out. It's just like I don't understand Nagy's uh, play calling. You know, it's like he, he still is clinging to his stuff his you know his plays that he would much rather be running uh than you know these other things and it's like well you know what you got to do what works um you know and he joked about oh well what am i going to do run the wing t well guess what the cleveland browns did this weekend they ran the wing t with nick chubb and uh kareem hunt (laughs) and it was very effective and they beat a very good defensive team in in the buffalo bills with a struggling quarterback Baker Mayfield is struggling mightily, more than Mitch. And, you know, you got an offensive coach who's supposedly this guru uh, in kitchens who says, you know what, I'm going to do what works. And you look around the league at LaFleur, and LaFleur has turned the Packers into a running team with Aaron Rodgers. And Shanahan in in the 49ers has turned them into a running team. You know, and McVeigh, you know, has it, it runs very, and these are not like nobody's running these fancy wing ding, you know, bells and whistles offenses. They're running old school eye formation, two back sets, you know, all kinds of stuff, and they're running play action off of it. I mean, the Vikings have completely 
reinvented themselves and turned Kirk Cousins around by running old school play action pass. And we still act like we don't know what to do. And and Mitch says he wants to roll out more and play more tempo and things like that. And it's still just very seldom used. You know, I mean, I almost threw something at the television when they put Cordero Patterson in in as a single back and thank God they sneak that they did the quarterback sneak with Mitch and they got it. But I don't I mean, how could we ever see Cordero Patterson as a single back again? It's been such a failure this year. And here we go again with it, you know, and then uh, how do you take David Montgomery off the field on third down? He supposedly was a guy you brought in to catch passes and be, you know, a third down back. And here you go, you take him off the field and you go spread, empty set, um, you know, and then and then we saw the offensive line shuffle happen. Um, Cody went back to center and the bad snaps came back. I think overall the line played OK, but they gave up five sacks. Um, you know, I put out there on Twitter that uh, Mitch has now been sacked 22 times this season and he only got sacked 26 all of last season. So. You know, that just illustrates the offensive line play. Uh, I thought Rashad Coward was awful. Um, He looked lost. He was just up in the second level blocking nobody half of the time. And, I mean, I think at the end of the day, they had to move Cody back to center. But, you know, the bad snaps came back. um, And that was why he got moved in the first place. So, (laughs) again, it's, uh, you know, I'm – happy that Mitch had a, had some positive moments. I'm happy this team won, but it still makes me scratch my head. What is this coaching staff doing? What is Nagy doing? You know, how have all these things that we thought were um, things that we were going to count on being a positive turned into a negative this season? Uh, it's just, it, you really just scratch your head. And I think, honestly, the coaches don't know either. I just feel like it's like a... You know, it's like a just a collective like what <laughs> about all of it. I'm gonna have a little fun with you right now. Yeah. Who's got the best quarterback rating in the league right now? Best quarterback rating in the league, I would venture to say probably Lamar Jackson. So it's Mike Lennon. Okay. Well, there's got to be a minimum. There's got to be a minimum amount of attempts. Yeah, he's only he's only he's only thrown three balls and he's completed two of them. But uh, but after that, it's Nick Foles from Jacksonville. Uh, He's at 132. Um, Let's see where we can find Russell Wilson is at 114. So of these quarterbacks, who has the best quarterback rating? Baker Mayfield. Ryan Fitzpatrick, Josh Allen, Jared Goff, Jameis Winston, Joe Flacco, Mitch Trubisky. Mm, I mean, there's a lot of names there. A lot of names there. I mean, I would say that most of them haven't played well. I think Jameis has played probably the best of that group, um, although he's had some games with a lot of picks. Um you know, among that group, you know, I would probably guess Fitzpatrick has the best rating. Maybe it's Maybe. Mitch. Out of all, and I'm talking Jared Goff, Joe Flacco, Jameis Winston, Josh Allen, 
and Trubisky's got a better rate. And, and the reason why he's only got three interceptions all year. Right. That's been that's been a positive for him. For so sure. he so he has been able to hold onto the ball. I think he's had a couple of fumbles as well this year. But we'll get into the comparisons between Goff and Trubisky when we talk about the Rams game after we get done talking about uh, the Lions game. But it's it's real, real interesting. And, and I think a lot of our listeners will be amazed. But when we get back, going back to the game, you know, they had 12 drives. 12 drives through the game, nine of them ended in a punt. And that's that's just terrible. Terrible ball control. They got out time to possession again, so the, the, the Bears defense was on the field for 31 minutes again. This kid that they have, I don't even want to mention his name because I'm so embarrassed about it. You know, he, he dropped back at least 48 times. Okay, yep. because he, 40, he had 46 attempts. He got sacked only twice. Yep. Uh, Trubisky, Jeff. you know, yeah, tr- yeah, Jeff. Jeff Driscoll. Yeah. <laughs> Jeff, wow. Undrafted, you know, undrafted free agent. Walked off, uh, came off the streets in September. Yep. Trubisky dropped back at least 28 times. Got sacked five. That's a problem. And Detroit's defense isn't that great. So they haven't they haven't been sacking anybody. <laughs> and they like, sacked Trubisky five times. Yeah. And How, and if you go on and Lester does a great job on Windy City Gridiron breaking down the sacks every week. Um and a lot of them are on Mitch. He's 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 really running himself into sacks um this year uh, instead of running, uh, you know, which he did last year. And that's okay, I guess, but you know, it's he's he's got to figure it out because now he's like in between. Um, but yeah, I mean, you mentioned that that this, this is not a defense that was sacking anybody, and then all of a sudden they're sacking our supposedly mobile quarterback. I understand. We talked about this just a couple of minutes ago. Nagy's desire to keep Mitch in the pocket, but it doesn't play to his strengths. You know, look at the the one nice drive they had against the Eagles. It was a play-action pass. He rolled to the right. He launched one to, uh, I believe it was Gabriel, who uh, unfortunately should have scored, but he ended up turning to the right and going right into the defender instead of going to the corner once he caught the ball. They tried that same play. It was so nice to see they tried that exact same play, but he was covered. So he threw the ball. He dumped it down short to Robinson for a first down. But that's a great play. Why don't we see it? We need to see that at least twice a game. Rodgers does it every game. Aaron Rodgers. I would love to see that play to start the game. Like that should they should run if they got the ball first. I would love to see them. Everybody's expecting them to run. You run that play action, roll out, and go deep right on the first play of the game. Be aggressive. I mean, supposedly Nagy's aggressive, right? Exactly. You know, we talked about that wing T earlier. Remember the very first play of the very first game of Nagy's coaching career in Green Bay last year? Yep. Papa Bear left, which yep. was it was he was paying homage to George Hallis's T formation. Mm-hmm. Gained seven yards. Yep. It gained seven yards. It probably could have gone for a lot more. Yep. You know how many times they've run that play since 
Maybe now we're talking one other time. <laughs> right. You you were close. One yeah. other. They ran it once this year, right. and that is the only time they've. And, run they, it. and they couldn't figure out how to block it. <laughs> no, the they, the very first play against Green Bay that they had blocked perfectly, but Cohen dropped the pitch out. Right. That, it, there was one guy that was unblocked. It was the safety, and he was 10 yards downfield. Well, and he, speaking speaking of drops, I mean, that reared its ugly head, and, and the uh, broadcast team was, was apt to point out that the Bears lead the league in drops. And last year, they were one of the best teams with that. Taylor Gabriel was one of the best receivers in terms of drops, if not the best. And now it's just like it's like everything – that can go wrong with this offense is going wrong. And it's not just Mitch, but it's, I just feel like Nagy has been flailing because nothing is working and he's gone down the rabbit hole after Mitch trying to pull him out and he's forgotten, you know, how to coach some winning football. Well, and I mean, you know, so, and that's, that's the biggest thing is it's like you look at some of these drives and I, and it's not always Nagy's fault because there has been plenty of times where they get something going and then penalties, you know, or they get something going and a drop. And, um, you know, Lord knows why Trey Burton is jumping to catch a belt high pass and they can't, get, <laughs> can't get his feet down. Um, but, you know, it's just, it's just goes to the, the way this season has gone. Um, you know, the, the so, it's just puzzling. Um, you know, Nagy doesn't seem like the guy we saw last year. Uh, Mitch doesn't. The offensive line doesn't. Obviously, the tight ends have been a disaster. And, uh, you know, all you've kind of got is, uh, you know, some little spurts with uh, Robinson and Gabriel. Um, and Mitch almost killed Anthony Miller throwing a ball behind him. And I thought he broke his ribs. Um, on that pass that he got clobbered, um, you know, going over the going on an out route. So, you know, hopefully they can figure out a way to kind of do what worked. But it's just so strange to me that we never really saw what they did in the Washington game again, a little bit in this last game. But I felt like that was like an aha moment with the quick game and the tempo and, and, and this stuff. And we just haven't seen that really since. And obviously Mitch got hurt and, and yada, yada, yada. But um, it's just strange to me the way Maggie seems to kind of discard things that seem to have worked, whereas other teams, that becomes their bread and butter. And they've said this for a while. They're searching for their identity. Like, how the hell are you searching for your identity? It's week 11. <laughs> Yeah, you're you're uh, I got nothing. It's crazy. You know, it's it's absolutely ludicrous that that we're talking about this here and they're playing their they're finally playing their 10th game of the season. Yep. You know, one of the things we talked about early in the year, what we heard Nagy talk about was last year was all the ways they can use Cohen, you know, the human joystick. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he had a a lot of impact in the Bears offense last year. And then this year, Cordero Patterson said, I got to play for this team. I can't wait to play for Nagy's offense. You know how many touches that Cohen and 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 Cordero had combined against Detroit? Maybe 
10, 12? Seven. Good and, lord. That's okay. pathetic. That's so pathetic. Cohen had three rushing attempts for 14 yards, which isn't bad. But he had four touches, uh, receptions. He caught all four, which is good. He didn't drop one this week. But he only averaged 5.6 yards a reception. At least one of them was a touchdown. I think that was the and that was the longest reception mm-hmm. of the day, and he caught it behind the line of scrimmage. Cordero, zip on the stat sheet. No touches, no rushes. Uh, hold on one second. Yeah, he didn't even get a target. He's not. He's not on the 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 stat sheet at all offensively. Yeah, he was yeah. just used as a decoy on that one play. You know, he he was on the field a couple of times in a re- wide receiver position. Mm-hmm. So here's where I'm gonna give I'm gonna give a little credit to Nagy on that play where where uh, Patterson lined up in the I position. It's the exact same formation that they ran against Green Bay, and Green Bay stuffed them for a loss on that fourth down play uh, to open the season, mm-hmm. or maybe it was a third down play. But anyway. So they're in the same exact same formation, and Trubisky sneaks it, gets the first down. So I got to give him credit. We talked about this last week with our guest Peggy Kaczynski. Is we don't see the team line up in the same formation, and then run something different off of it. We always see these multiple formations. You know, 33 in the first game, 35 in the second game. And then we never see the formation again, so they're never running anything off of it. So when a defense sees that formation, they're schooled on it because they've saw they've seen it on tape, so they know what to expect. That's right. one of the biggest problems. And you know, I was just absolutely, you know, when when Peggy brought that up last week, I was like, oh my God, she is so dead on with that. So it was good to see. At least we did that. It was good to see they tried to run that that play action pass, throw deep uh, off of the off the play action like they did against Philadelphia, and tr- he was covered. And Trubisky did the right thing and he threw it for what about nine, twelve yards to Robinson for a first down. So it was nice to see those things. So so it was a little bit of growth, which I'm sorry we're talking we're ten games into the season and, and we're talking about baby steps. Yeah. You know, that's that's embarrassing. Yep. What are the Bears in offense so far this year? They're they're I gotta find it here. They're they're like thirtieth in total yards. Um they're twenty-ninth in total yards, they're twenty-third in total touchdowns, they're twenty-eighth in passing yards at just hundred and eighty-one yards a game, and they're ranked thirtieth in rushing with just eighty-one yards per game. That's the offense that we're getting from Matt Nagy. And, of course, I can't blame it all on Nagy. We've talked about this almost every week since they started started losing after they, they started 3-1. and one. Offensive line's not helping. Offensive line's not helping. They're not opening holes for the running game. God, Montgomery, how many yards does he have after contact this year? Yeah, I mean he's 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 fighting for his life as soon as he gets the ball. I mean, he's got he's got 466 yards rushing on the year, and I'll bet half of them are, are yards after contact. 
Yeah. I mean, you know, teams are <laughs> – he's making – he rarely has an open hole. I mean, that 155-yard run, other than that, it's all it's all after contact, you know. I mean, I was listening – I was listening to uh, uh, Wanstack because he comes on 670 um, pretty frequently, and he was talking about, you know, um, his big thing was always yards per play, you know, and it doesn't really matter. You run the ball, pass the ball, whatever. You gotta yards per. You gotta have a good yards per play, and that's gotta be around five and a half or six yards per play. If you're averaging that, you're gonna be in good shape. Well, the Bears are. 30th in the league in yards per play at 4.4. So, I mean, you just look at, and and they've been terrible on first down. As bad as they've been on on third down, they've been just awful on first down. Um, you know, it's 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 just bad. I mean, they are 29th in the league in first downs per game. At, they they average 16.9 first towns per game. The teams that are worse are the Dolphins, the Jets, and the Redskins. You know. Well, boy, does that say a lot. The the Bears only had 13 first downs against Detroit on Sunday. Right, they and were, it's, they, it's their it's, third down conversions, two out right. of 12. So they only they only converted on 16 percent of yeah. their third downs. That, Thank God they had the one fourth down conversion. Detroit was 0 for 2 on fourth downs, but they were 7 out of 18 on third downs. They had 21 first downs to the Bears 13. Yep. You know, they, it, it, they, it. they had 367 total yards of offense to the Bears 254. So when you take what? a look at it. Great. If you look at, Je- I mean, Jeff Driscoll, other than Mitch's three touchdown passes, Jeff Driscoll had a better game. I mean, yeah. like, he, you know, and and he almost uh, hit the pass to Hawkinson down the middle at the end of the game, too. A better throw there, you know. And, I mean, so, so which brings us to the defense because you got to talk about the defense. I don't think – I think the defense, you know, didn't really show up um, the way that they needed to. We're not seeing uh, a lot of pressure. We're not seeing – you know, great coverage. Kyle Fuller just complains constantly. He's looking for flags. You know, he's playing off. And, um, you know, of course, we had a terrible injury with Trevathan. I mean, he he's out probably for the season. Realistically, that was a gruesome injury. Thank goodness Kwiatkowski again comes in and plays the hero um, because, you know, that was I mean, it was looking bad there when when Danny goes out and um, it, it wasn't looking good. I mean, thank goodness Kwiatkowski came in and ha- I mean, the two best games of by linebackers this year, inside linebackers are by Kwiatkowski. Uh, amen. You know, amen. You know, he came in and stepped yeah. up. So at the very beginning of the show, I said, let's talk about the good news for the Bears with Mitch Trubisky, and that's it. Okay, I have to I have to take that back. Witkowski played a hell of a game. I think he had nine tackles, one tackle for loss, and the, the interception yep. that set that up one of one of the scores. Yep. So he's, you know, he was he was the star of the game defensively. Yeah. He doesn't make that. The, the interception is basically, when you look at it, that's the key play of the game. If he doesn't yep. make that that interception, they don't get that that last score. Mm-hmm. And it, this game could have been completely different in outcome-wise, and we'd be out for blood 
instead of talking about a Bears victory. So that's yeah. the Detroit game, folks. We're going to take a break uh, and get a little message from our sponsor, TickSplits.com. Uh, no service fees, and make sure you enter TAILGATE as the promo code, all caps, T-A-I-L-G-A-T-E, in any ticket, any venue, anywhere in the country, and in fact the world, you can get 5% off your tickets. So we'll be right back after a message from TickSplits. So you're looking for great ticket deals. Who is it? Well, TixBlitz.com has you covered. From the biggest sporting events to Broadway shows and concerts, TixBlitz.com has the best ticket selection at the very best prices out there and no service fees. So the price you see is the price you pay. Plus, TixBlitz.com donates up to 25% of their proceeds to charity. TixBlitz.com has the tickets you want when you want them. Go to T-I-X-B-L-I-T-Z.com today. That's TixBlitz.com. Every ticket, every venue everywhere welcome back everybody to the second half of the Halitech Hall show thanks again to ticksplits.com where every ticket every venue everywhere save five percent with tailgate as the promo code thank you again ticksplits for your sponsorship and giving away two tickets to every game at home for the Bears this year now we have to look ahead to the next game it's a Sunday night game uh, a lot of people, sadly, were hoping that the Bears-Rams game would get flexed out of this spot so we wouldn't have the misery of watching these two teams play on, on Sunday night. But you're not going to take the second and third markets, biggest markets in the country out of prime time. What do you think about that? I think it's a good choice. I mean, yeah, I don't think that was really going to happen. Uh, they would have had to have done it a while ago. I'm not surprised, you know, taking Chicago and L.A. out of the out of the market, uh, you know, was not really going to happen. I mean, even though both these teams are have have massively underachieved, um, I still think that wasn't going to happen. And, you know, I'm all right with it. Um, you know, I, I, I think that uh, I think the Bears have a very winnable game. Um it's going to be a lot of Bears fans there. Uh, they, you know, they get a, a, a banged up Rams team, a Rams team that's playing very badly, hasn't scored a touchdown in 19 uh, possessions. Um, they lost their starting center. Uh, they've got Brandon Cooks out already. Cooper Cup just came off a bad game. Um, they haven't, you know, I mean, uh, Todd Gurley has less rushing yards than David Montgomery this season. So things are not going particularly great for the Rams um, as badly as they're going for the Bears. Uh, you know, this is a team, the Rams were in the Super Bowl. So uh, they are having a very disappointing uh, season. And basically both teams right now are fighting for their lives. I mean, I don't think either, if either team loses this game, it's pretty much a wrap um, on the season. So it's basically a playoff game. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I'm, I feel good actually, you know, I feel like the defense is due and I feel like they're, they're going to have a good game. Um, and I feel like that they, you know, are going off of the game that they had last year, um, they should, they should do well. They should. It, when we looked at this game two weeks ago, we were all shuddering and going, Oh my God, they're going to go to LA and get killed. But, you know, when you look at this this matchup they're pretty even 
you, we talked. You just talked about uh, Jared Goff. He's got 11 touchdowns, but he's got nine interceptions. He's thrown the ball 120 more times than Mitch, but only has three more TDs to show for it. But he's got three times the interceptions that Mitch Trubisky has. So 11 to nine touchdowns to interceptions for Goff, eight to three touchdowns for Trubisky. The problem with Mitch is he's only gotten touchdown throws in three games of the eight that he's played so far. Todd Gurley, as you mentioned, has 428 yards rushing the ball, and he scored six touchdowns. Montgomery, 466 yards rushing with five touchdowns. Cooper Cup is their number one receiver with 58 receptions for 792 yards and five touchdowns. And Robinson for the Bears has 53 receptions for 618 yards and three touchdowns. So offensively, you're you're almost as, as embarrassing as the Bears offense has been this year. They're almost a mirror team of each other. That's kind of an interesting stat that just popped out at me today. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think that Jared Goff is kind of a, a, a warning to the Bears, um, in my opinion, that you don't want to give a big contract to Mitch Trubisky um, because I feel like the Rams have have made a mistake in giving Jared Goff a $140 million deal um, because he just doesn't, I mean, he just doesn't look very good. Um, he hasn't really looked that great since the, since the bears played them. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, they, I mean, McVay's kind of in the, in the same boat as Nagy this year. He's scratching his head and doesn't know why they can't seem to get things going. I mean, this is a Rams team that, that gave up 55 points to the Buccaneers at home, um, this season. And they can't seem to run the ball. Very similar to Nagy, McVay seems to forget to run the ball quite a bit, uh, you know, kind of trying to get the passing game going. And uh, they do a lot of play action and things like that. It's not, um, you know, a lot of fancy routes and, and uh, stuff like that. But, you know, it's it's a very similar situation. Uh, they're a team with a lot of talent that has wildly underachieved and they've added some pieces in Jalen Ramsey and um, different things, and it doesn't seem to have really had much of an effect. In fact, Jalen Ramsey, I was reading, is giving up a 116 passer rating against him since he's come over to the Rams. Um, so he's certainly not uh, not come over and, and become this dominant force at the cornerback position. So it should be interesting. It, it should be. You just hit on this uh, a couple minutes ago. The Rams haven't been the same team since the Bears beat them late last year. They're only seven and six in the the 13 games, regular season games that they have played counting the Bears game last year. That's not a great record by any stretch of the imagination. So uh, it's going to be an interesting game. You you talked a little bit about, about points. Last year, uh, the last two games, regular season games of the, I'm sorry, two of the last three games of the regular season last year, the Rams gave up 30 or more points. They gave up 30 to, to Philadelphia. 
they actually won their last game of the year by scoring 48, but they gave up 32 to the 49ers. You know, you mentioned the game that they had earlier this year where they gave up uh, a ton of points, but they've given up 31 to Minnesota, 31 to Seattle, 45 to the Saints. Uh, it's it's amazing that, uh, that I'm, you know what, I apologize, that was last year. But that's amazing what they gave up last year in, in points. When you take a look and against you know, Aaron Donald and, and all of those guys that they have on defense, it's truly amazing that they get the credit they do defensively. So it's going to be an, an interesting game. They gave up 27 to Carolina. They gave up 55 to Tampa. They gave up 30 to the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, recently, they've done pretty well. They, they only allowed 20 points to the 49ers, even though they lost uh, and then the last two games, they've given up only 10 each to the, but they played Atlanta and the Bengals. Uh, and then they gave up the last game, they gave up 17 and a loss to, to, to the Steelers. So this defense is not all that they're, they're cracked up to be like we expected this matchup to be when the schedule first came out last year. The Bears, sadly enough, uh, have sunk all the way to 24th on defense in total yards. The Rams are 22nd. The Bears are 18th in passing yards allowed. The Rams are 16th in passing yards al allowed. And the Bears are 24th in rushing defense, and the Rams are 27th. So, but, but the Bears are still 4th in uh, points per game in defense, which is good. So they've been giving up yards, but at least stiffening in the red zone, whereas the Rams are... Uh, 16th, giving up 21 points a game uh, in scoring defense. So, I mean, I think it, you look at last year, I don't think it's going to go like last year, right? It, it, Which is a game that was an all-time defensive performance. Um, but Mitch Trubisky played so bad that he almost screwed up that performance. So my feeling is, like, let's be somewhere in the middle. Have a great defensive performance, which I think they're going to. And then Mitch, you know, just don't do that, <laughs> you know. Uh, there's And as we've mentioned, there's one thing you can say about Mitch is that he he hasn't thrown a lot of picks, you know. Um, for Luckily, uh, the times when he misses with the passes, it's so far away off that nobody can catch it so he really hasn't at least done that he hasn't turned the ball over so hopefully um he can certainly uh you know continue that trend um you know and and uh you know uh, personally i didn't i thought that they would win this game when the schedule came out i just feel like our matchup is really good against the rams and the rams have no home field advantage so you know, whereas I thought they would lose the Eagles game, I thought the Saints game was probably a loss. I actually had the Rams game as a win only because I feel like the matchup uh, favors the Bears. Mitch Trubisky last year played horribly against the Rams. We, we all know, I think he had three interceptions. But let's not forget that, and I hate to be, um, you know, trying to defend Trubisky here, but if you recall, that was his first game back from separating his right shoulder against Minnesota. He was out the two weeks prior 
for the Detroit Lions game and, and the New York Giants game. So, I mean, and it was obvious he was rustier than hell, and he probably didn't trust his, his arm. This year we don't have that problem, so I expect a better game out of him. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what they do rushing the ball, and that's going to be the key to this game is who can control the clock and keep the other team's offense off the field. I expect the Bears to rush the ball a lot, but I'd love to see some of those play-action passes that we just talked about before the break because that's going to open up the passing game, but the passing game can't open up unless the running game's effective. And so that's the key to this week's game is I think you're going to see Montgomery. He's, he's got to touch the ball at least 20 times yep. without question. They've got to get Cohen and Cordero Patterson involved in the game. Is this the game that Trey Burton's going to have six touchdowns, six receptions and a touchdown? Because he's been absolutely nowhere in sight all season long. How many? I'd have to go and look, and it's it just doesn't. It bores me to try to look up to see how many receptions Trey Burton has had this year. Uh, I think that you're going to see Miller. And you're going to see Robinson get their fair share of targets. But they've got to get Cordero Patterson more involved in the game. That's their guy that, that they raved about. And i got to tell you, if I'm Cordero Patterson, I'm scratching my head because I was excited to come to this team after seeing what Nagy did offensively. And he's been all but forgotten over the last two weeks. Yeah, I mean, I... I... I just feel like they can't get in any kind of rhythm. I mean, it's just you go three and out, you know, um, the offensive line still not getting much of a push on run plays. Um, so, you know, got to roll them out. Got to got to got to get creative. Got to use Mitch to what he can to do. Um, you know, I don't see there's no point in like protecting this kid. You know, uh, and being afraid to run him, like I don't, I just don't see the point of that. I mean, your season's on the brink anyway. You gotta, you gotta see what you can do and use him to the best of his ability. Um, and I mean, you know, one of his best runs was on a bad snap <laughs> against the Lions. Um, it's just, I, you know, he just has not run the ball. I think a lot of that's his fault because he he seems to have. He seems to be focusing so much on trying to stay in the pocket, stay in the pocket, uh, that he misses his chance to escape. And last year he is, was escaping early a lot. This year he's staying too long or he's drifting into bad spots and then holding the ball and taking sacks. Um, you know, so it's uh, – I just feel like you got to get him in position. And this is what teams are doing to the Bears I mean, um, Adam Hogue did a, a nice article about why Khalil Mack's production is down, and and every all the Bears fans, well, he's getting triple teamed on every play. It's like, no, he's not. He's not getting triple teamed on every play. They are scheming against him. They're rolling away from him. They're you know they're running away from him. He's getting triple teamed a little bit. He's getting double teamed a little bit, but he is you know being rendered fairly ineffective because of the scheme and the way that teams are playing. I mean, you saw the um, the Lions go quick on him quite a bit uh, on, on the Bears, and that was very effective, um, you know, and and so that's, you know, that's been a problem. I mean, 
it, so if you look at the Hogue did the breakdown on the game against the Lions, he was single blocked 35 snaps. Uh, Khalil Mack was double teamed 19 snaps, triple teamed five snaps, unblocked four snaps, dropped into coverage six snaps. The other two snaps were both quarterback spikes. So, you know, he was singled for half the game. Um, but on those 35 snaps, he was singled. 14 were runs. So 21 snaps in which Mack had a one-on-one situation in the passing game. But he certainly didn't have 21 opportunities to get to the quarterback because of those 21 passes, 12 were quick throws, play-action boots, or sprint outs to the opposite side of Mack, essentially removing him from the play. So, I mean, I hear a lot of Bears fans kind of saying, where's Mack, where's Mack? It's like, watch the game. (laughs) <laughs> Watch the game. Like, you want to know where Mac is, find 52 and see what's happening with 52. And stop saying dumb stuff like he's getting triple teamed every play because it's just clearly not happening. But there's other ways to do it. Unfortunately, as I feared, the Raiders game was a blueprint on how to beat us. The cut block us, you know, roll away, go quick. Uh, you know, sprint outs, all this different stuff, run away from Mac. And, and since then, and, and without Akeem Hicks, you know, this is what you get. Akeem Hicks is so, so important to this defense, emotionally, physically, so important. Um, Nick Williams stepped up. Roy Robertson Harris played decently. Bilal Nichols has been a no-show all season since he's been back from his injury. Uh, he's been disappointing to me. Um, you know, I think Roquan has come around and is playing fine. Um, I'm not happy with with Fuller. I think Fuller's been bad. Um, and Prince has, you know, Prince has been holding it down because Prince gets targeted a ton, although he, you know, at times, you know, has his issues. Um, but this is what you get. I mean, you know, especially when the defense is out there all the, all the damn game, you're going to they're going to give up yards. I mean, it's a credit to them that they are fourth in the league in scoring defense uh, because they have been out on the damn field <laughs> for more than half the game, almost every game. So, you know, I, I look at a, a defense that feels pretty good about themselves after this last week um, and is due for some turnovers. I think this is going to be a game that Khalil Mack has, has one of those big games, you know, um, one of those splash games, one of those games where he can be a game wrecker. And I think the prime time aspect of it helps that. Where's Leonard Floyd? Trying weird spin moves and getting blocked by running backs. <laughs> like that, That's where he is. I mean, he he at least had a little bit of pressure uh, in that in the Lions game, but his season has just been worthless. I mean, they got to rescind that fifth-year option on him, as far as I'm concerned. I, I don't. I mean, unless they could somehow trade him for a pick, I, I just don't see how you, you know, how you spend 13 million dollars on that guy um, next season. And then you look into, you know, whatever else happens after that. I just, I, I think he's, but I don't know. I mean, they could, you know, say, Oh, well, Keem Hicks is out and blah, blah, blah. And the defense still played pretty well. And I mean, I just, it's not all about sacks, but this guy doesn't even get pressures. The bears are six and a half point underdogs going into Sunday night's game. And one of the things I think is most surprising is the over line is not the lowest 
in the league. It's it's one of the lowest. It's the over and under is 41 and a half. And the only, I, I take that back. There's one other game. The Buffalo Miami game is, is over under by a half a point less. It's a 41 point over under and the New York jets are 38 and a half over under against the, the Redskins. So everybody is predicting a low scoring game. Uh, I think that the three points uh, the home field advantage and the three and a half point favorite is probably a, a decent line for that game. If I was a betting man, uh, this is one game I would stay clear away from because you just never know what's going to happen. National stage, somebody could just light it up. The, the Bears defense has scored, what, one touchdown this year where they had seven or eight last year, which has been sorely missed. We haven't seen Eddie Jackson light it up at all. We we saw a little bit from Clinton Dix against Washington, but he's been a non-factor in in uh, coverage. You said all too well uh, the what we were seeing from Prince and Fuller. The one guy that's really held his own, and a lot of people criticized the move when they signed him, but Buster Screen has played really well this year. Absolutely. He's he's steady. And I, honestly, I, I didn't mind the signing. I was happy that they didn't pay Callahan because Callahan's basically hasn't played for the Broncos because his injury woes. Um, screen's been exactly what she hoped, which is solid stalwart on the field. And he's on the field for a lot of snaps every game. So, I mean, I think as far as the secondary Eddie Jackson and haha not getting chances, that just goes back to the to the pass rush not being there. The pass rush has to do what it does in order to get the chances for the secondary to make the plays. And they're just not doing it. Um, you know, and teams are attacking differently. Um, you know, they're not going to give Eddie Jackson a chance to, to do the to do that to them. Um, you know, so it's all complimentary. I mean, when the pass rush is going great, then, you know, you get quarterbacks uh, trying, to, trying to make throws, and then Eddie Jackson's able to to figure it out. I mean, and they talked about how important it is playing with a lead. And, you know, once again, we can't seem to start fast. Um, you know, so hopefully that could change this game. I think this game's going to be ugly. I mean, I picked the bears 15 to 10 um, against the Rams. I think it's going to be a really ugly offensive game and it's going to be up to the defense who, who makes plays, um, who gets more turnovers. Hopefully the bears can set the defense, or the offense up in some short fields. Um, and then hopefully, you know, I think it's going to come down. They may come down to kickers. And uh, Zerline has been a great kicker for them, but hasn't been particularly great this year. Um, and Pinheiro, uh, you know, we don't really want to talk about it, but hasn't really been that impressive since the Denver game. Uh, he's been pretty shaky, um, you know, and I don't know. if I don't know. I mean, it's going to be nice conditions at least. So that shouldn't be a factor, but I feel like kicking is going to be important. Um, we saw how important kicking was in that San Francisco uh, Seahawks game, um, you know, where the 49ers, uh, you know, pulled a kicker off the street to replace Robbie Gold, uh, and he almost uh, almost won the game for them. But it's uh, it, I just think this game's going to be ugly. But I, I feel like the Bears are going to come out on top, and I really feel like then it sets up 
to to beat the Giants. I don't think they should have much of a problem beating the Giants. Uh, and then I I just don't think the Lions are gonna be that much of a challenge on Thanksgiving. And then you realistically could be sitting at eight and five going into the game against Dallas. And who knows what Dallas is going to be at that point. I mean, Dallas is a total, you know, you don't know what you're going to get from Dallas each week. They could they could play fantastic and lose. They could play fantastic and win. They could play, like, you know, they could play bad. And, I mean, they, they're so weird. Like, <laughs> so, you know, the season's not over. I mean, I, I was feeling pretty low after last after the Eagles game and feeling like things were – but it's not over. I mean – a lot of things can happen. There's going to, you know, we needed, we kind of needed, uh, you know, we need the Vikings to lose a little bit here, but, um, you know, our best chance is probably for the, for the Eagles or the, uh, the Cowboys to kind of fall apart. And we're two and a half games out of the wild card right now. So, I mean, anything can happen. It's a, it's still a long season. Injuries can still happen. The, the 49ers and the Packers still have some tough games to play. Um, so, you know, let's uh, let, let's win in L.A. And then, you know, just I mean, it sounds kind of corny, but you got to go one and know every week and just just get going, you know, get 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 moving. Keep it moving. Let's give away two tickets to the Dallas game, shall we? All you sure. got to do is email Hall at Gmail dot com in the subject line. Put Dallas. That's all you got to do. And then in the body of your email, I need your full name. I'll have your email address and your Twitter handle. And next week at this time, we'll announce the winner of two tickets to the Dallas game compliments of TickSplits.com. So uh, I hope you guys are listening. And here's another opportunity that TickSplits is giving us to give away tickets to a Bears home game. We're going to talk now a little bit. Every week we talk about Bears history. And since we're playing the Rams, what a better historic event to talk about than the NFC title game when they beat the Rams and made it to the Super Bowl where they just absolutely obliterated the uh, New England Patriots. Uh, were you born then? I was born in 77. Okay, so you you what do you what memories do you have of the Rams game? You're eight years old, but uh, none, <laughs> zero. <laughs> I absolutely none. Oh man, my uh, my oldest son was a year and a half old at the time. Uh, I was at the game. I was at both playoff games in Soldier Field that year against the the Giants and against the Rams. Uh, it was it was a pretty decent game weather wise. Uh, it was a hell of a lot colder when they played the Giants the week before. Uh, the game started slow, but Jim McMahon did have a 16-yard run around left end for the first score of the game. Kevin Butler kicked a 24-yard field goal to make it 10 to nothing at the end of the first quarter. The game actually uh, was that same score at halftime, 10 to nothing. It was the second half that got really interesting. Uh, you know, we just got done talking about Mitch Trubisky and, and his performance in the game this past Sunday. Here's Jim McMahon's line. 
versus Trubisky's line. So Trubisky had uh, 16 of 23 for 173 yards and three touchdowns. Jim McMahon at 16 of 25 for 164 yards and one touchdown. He was sacked three times to Trubisky's five times in the game that we just witnessed. Uh, but it was the defense that stole the show. They absolutely destroyed uh, the Rams offense. You know who the running back was for the Rams that game, don't you? Eric Dickerson. Eric Dickerson. Eric Dickerson ran for over 200 yards in their the uh, game preceding this that got him to, to the title game. And Eric Dickerson had 17 attempts for 46 yards. Dieter Brock, 10 of 31 for 66 yards, <laughs> no touchdowns, one interception. He was sacked three times for 22 yards and losses, and his quarterback rating was 28.0. Uh, the game was uh, actually pretty close going into the end of the fourth quarter. Uh, they did get a touchdown pass from McMahon to McKinnon. Uh, I'm sorry, it was to Galt in the left corner of the north end zone. And that, but everybody remembers the play that iced the game because we've seen it a million times on video where Richard Dent sacked Brock and uh, Wilbur Marshall recovered it. He broke away from a defender pulling on his jersey and ended up scoring in the south end zone. And just as that happened, as that play started, it started to snow. Uh, and so the snow is whirling and, and there's shots of, of, of Dent standing there celebrating as he was heading towards the end zone where, where uh, uh, that uh, Wilbur Marshall had scored. And it just created a surreal atmosphere while we were at that game. And, and, and I remember watching the, uh, as the game ended, they don't have the celebrations uh, on the field after the title games back then. You know, of course, we, we saw Virginia McCaskey uh, on the field when they won the NFC title game in 2006 with Terry Bradshaw and the entire team from Fox, uh, Brian Urlacher holding up the trophy. Back then, they had the trophy presentation in the locker room, and Virginia McCaskey actually presented the trophy, and she was so tickled because... They finally created these trophies for the AFC and the NFC, and they named the trophy the George Hallis Trophy. And it was the first year that that trophy had finally been cast, and she was able to present it to her team. was such a, a moving sight. I, it just sends chills down my spine just thinking of that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one of the games that I, I think is of note was in uh, 2006, December 11, 2006, when the Bears uh, beat the Rams 42-27 to um, in St. Louis at the old Edward Jones Dome. Uh, you know, a good 
good game by uh, Rex Grossman, uh, but again, not you know, not some world beater game. 13 of 23 for 200 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, you had uh, Cedric Benson, R.I.P. and Thomas Jones both running for about 70 yards. Bernard Berrien, Moussin Mohammed, um, Devin Hester had two touchdown returns in that game. Um, kickoff touchdown returns had 225 yards in in return yards and 96 yard uh, touchdown. Um, so that's probably you know the big highlight there. Um, and you know this is a, of course this is a, a team that. Uh, was on their way to the Super Bowl, um, so you know definitely uh, that's that's an exciting uh, game that I remember from the uh, you know from the Rams uh, Bears history there. Devin Hester had a couple of games where he scored two touchdowns on returns, but I don't think he ever had two touchdowns on kickoff returns. Yeah, besides that game, there was something historic about one of those returns in that. The Bears were lined up to prevent an onside kick on that second touchdown. And how he was able to break through the line and cut it down the left sideline and and score when he had absolutely no blocking in front of him, it was absolutely one of the most incredible returns I've ever seen him make. And I I was fortunate enough to be present at several of his returns, uh, he had a he had a return with a kickoff and a punt against Denver. I believe it was the year afterwards, and I happened to be present for that game. Uh, just incredible and talented. And since we're talking about Devin Hester, Devin Hester is, in my opinion, a surefire first ballot Hall of Famer. If he's not, people just don't pay attention to football. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, yep. I think they've. I think that they. You know, I know they're all about player safety and whatnot. But one of the worst things that they've done, in my mind, is take the kickoff return out of the game by moving the kick kickoff up. Um, it's one of the most exciting plays in football, and I, I'm sure somewhere somebody had some numbers about injuries on it and whatnot, but. It's just it's just frustrating. I mean, we you know it's another way that Cordero Patterson rarely gets an opportunity, um, and you know you just you're gonna take one of the most exciting things out of the game. Uh, doesn't make any sense, you know. Um, it just it, and it, it absolutely shows you that there will never be another Devin Hester <laughs> because um, you know that was obviously one of the biggest ways that he contributed. It's hard to believe that. Uh, kickoffs used to actually originate from the 40-yard line, believe it or not, back in the day, um, probably before you were born. Well, definitely before you were born. And then they moved it back to the 35. They moved it back to the 30. And now they've moved it back up to the 35-yard line. And despite the fact that the the kick kicking team has to line up one yard from the ball, whereas before they would line up five yards from the ball and get a running start. And some players were even six, seven, eight yards behind the ball to get a good running start to eliminate the momentum and the inertia of impacts downfield. You're absolutely right. It's, it's such a sad, sad tale that kickoffs have been essentially removed from the game. The only time you see it 
really is if they, the kicker purposely kicks it high to get coverage downfield because the, the team that they're playing, they know that their kicking return game isn't very much, mm-hmm. uh, or if they're kicking into the wind. So right. it's, it is such a such a sad, sad state of affairs that kickoffs have been taken out. And now with these punters, with the strength of their legs, getting the ball up in the air in four and a half to five and a half second hang times, how many touchdowns, how many return touchdowns have we seen this year? I don't think it's been that many. No, absolutely you know, so not. Yeah. You, you're absolutely right. I don't think you'll ever see the likes of uh, of uh, Devin Hester in this league ever ever again. That 2006 game that we talked about, uh, you know, actually the the Bears were behind in that game, six to nothing. Uh, Torrey Holt got a one yard pass from Mark Bulger. Uh, the kick failed, and that was Devin Hester's first return. He he returned the kickoff off after that play, uh, 94 yards for a touchdown. The Bears then fell behind again, and Bernard Berrien got a 34-yard pass from Grossman that gave him the lead. Thomas Jones had a 30-yard uh, touchdown rush, and Robbie Gold kicked the extra point. Masin Muhammad had a 14-yard touchdown pass from Rex Grossman. Adrian Peterson had a one-yard rush. So it's 35-13. to 13. And then Torrey Holt got a uh, six-yard pass from Bulger to make it 35-20, to 20. And that's when the onside kick happened. And Devin Hester returned that to make it 42 to, to 20. And then the Rams scored a token touchdown with about four minutes to go uh, to make the final score 42 to 27. Well, and it just uh, it just goes to show you when you talk about Grossman, I mean, let's not forget, you know, that Grossman, you know, he took him to the Super Bowl and he was not a great quarterback. I mean, I think there's a lot of similarities between the way Mitch is playing now to the way Grossman played, where it's like he can't do anything, can't do anything. And then all of a sudden, 40 yard touchdown, you know, um, that was kind of how Grossman was. He was, you know, like a home run hitter, strikeout, strikeout, boom, you know, and yeah. that, that, that might be, you know, the way that Mitch goes. Um, I mean, you know, it, hopefully he can limit the turnovers. I mean, that's what that's what killed Grossman ultimately, uh, and and killed him in the Super Bowl, you know, to a large degree. Uh, although Erlacher will tell you that the defense should have still won that game, but I mean, come on. <laughs> you know? Well, you could know, you could place the, the blame on that squarely on Daniel Manning. He had a terrible game. The right. Brady's first touchdown. You had 10 guys on defense playing one coverage and Danielle Manning playing a, a, a different one. And right. he let he let the, the receiver go right behind him. And, and I mean, a half a second later, Tank Johnson's got a sack on Peyton Manning. But that was all he needed. And he got the pass off. And, and all of a sudden now that kind of changed the game a little bit. Right. Well, I'm I mean, not- we can, yeah, you can go over that, too. If Tommy Harris and Mike Brown are playing. I think the Bears win that game. I yeah, mean, even... They should have still won the game Yeah. because they took away – the Bears coaches lost that game on yeah. offense. Yeah. Okay, They put it in Rex Grossman's hand, but Thomas Jones was having an yeah. MVP caliber game yeah. against, the, against the Colts. And that pass I – mean, it's a poor – just an absolute downpour. And Grossman's trying to throw long and, and – I mean, it's – 
if that's a dry, if that's not in the pouring rain where the, the rain and the wind knocks that ball down, it might be a completely different game, but it gets intercepted and returned for a touchdown, ball game over. So Yeah, Thomas, I still I still just can't understand how you lose a Super Bowl that you ran the opening kickoff back for a touchdown. Like I mean, that could have been one of the most I mean, it was one of the most epic plays of all time, period, in football history, let alone Super Bowl history. But unfortunately, the footnote is, well, they didn't win. You know, you take a look back and you, there's, what, 53, 54 Super Bowls. And how many iconic plays do you remember? You remember right. Devin, you remember Devin Hester's uh, kickoff return to start the game. You remember Joe Montana throwing to John Taylor against Cincinnati. You remember the play where where the, the Rams stopped the Titans uh, yep. receiver yep. A less than a yard from mm. the end zone on the last play of the game. What David else? Tyree, David Tyree. Tyree's catch. Yeah, that, yep. that's a good point. So yep. you've got a handful of mm-hmm. iconic plays that you're going to remember for the rest of your life, and Devin Hester's touchdown against the uh, – uh, Colts to begin that Super Bowl was was one of those. We talked earlier about how similar McMahon's NFC title game was to Trubisky's game this past Sunday in Detroit. So why don't we talk about that Rams game against uh, uh, where Devin Hester had the two touchdowns? Rex Grossman was 13 of 23 for 200 yards and two TDs with a passer yeah. rating of 114. So all three of those games, which were victories, all three quarterbacks pretty much had pedestrian games numbers-wise, mm-hmm. but just enough to win the game. So I'll take I'll take a quarterback like that every day of the week. Right. Well, and it's the same thing as you look at. He had 30-yard passes to to a few different guys. So you know, of those 13 completions, it's the same deal. I mean, it's 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 big plays. Um, so, you know, it, it, if that's how they got to do it, that's how they got to do it. I just hope, you know, that that at some point they could figure out how to convert a few more third downs. I mean, that that was all I was wanting this offseason. I never in my wildest dreams thought that Trubisky was going to all of a sudden emerge as a top 10 quarterback this year. All I wanted them to do was just stay on the damn field a little more and convert some third downs. And that's what's been so maddening is it's like you can't even do that. You know, uh, like I never, never would have imagined this offense would be so inept to to make. I mean, I I tweeted in the first half of the game that I wanted to go before they scored at the end of the first half, that I wanted to drive down to Soldier Field and stand outside and boo because they just, it's like, here we went again. They they can't get anything going. They can't even get a first down. Like, it's just in the, in the, the annals of embarrassing offensive football that the Bears have authored, to have this season be the chapter that it's been is so crazy. Like it just makes no sense. Um, so hopefully they can flip the narrative. I mean, you know, it was nice to see Trubisky looking a little confident and, you know, believing in himself and, um, you know, hopefully it, it can just, they can just build on it. Just stack, stack that confidence, stack those wins and, 
you know, at least give us something to watch um, in this in the winter. I mean, I don't think I, I don't have any um, delusions of grandeur about necessarily making the playoffs or or, you know, anything. But uh, like, just give us something to watch that doesn't hurt. <laughs> yeah. The, you know, the Bears defense giving up 35.5% third down conversions doesn't help either. Right. The, Bear, the Bears have only converted 29.8% of their third down conversions this year, yeah. uh, which is just unacceptable for this offense that we thought we were going to see. But anyway, they we're in the position or the, the Bears are in the position they're in because of the way they've played. You know, you're, you know, a lot of people will say, yeah, the, 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 the record's the record. And this is the record that, that they deserve. Uh, you know, maybe they could have beat San Diego with, the, with that kick. Um, and it, that would have been interesting to see the five and four Bears play the five and four Rams this Sunday. But that's not the way it worked out. Right. So. If the Bears can hit five and five and go back to 500, then they can hit a stretch run where they play their last six games. They have three at home, three on the road. All three home, all three road games are divisional opponents. They've already played all of their division opponents at home in their two and one. They're going to have to be two, at least two and one in the final six games of the year uh, by, by winning two of those three games. Yeah. Their home games are Detroit, I'm sorry, are the New York Giants, the Dallas Cowboys, and the Kansas City Chiefs. Yep. Kansas City Chiefs just got lit up by the Tennessee Titans thanks to a powerful running game. Yep. If you think back to... The third preseason game of last year, the Kansas City came to Chicago, and Chase Daniel lit up, lit up the the number one, the, the first string defense of Kansas City. Jason Wims had a stellar game, and you didn't play any of your your starters. It yeah. was all second strings against first strings. So that's got to give the Bears a little confidence going into this game because. But Kansas City's record is what five and four? Yeah, Kansas City's having a terrible year. Their defense is awful. That's I I honestly believe that the Bears are going to go ten and six. That may be crazy, but I I don't believe that's going to get them into the playoffs, unfortunately. And I think we're going to look back on that San Diego game as the one where it's like I can't believe you know that that and that was that was the probably the most winnable game when you look back at it and a game where they dominated statistically and should have won the game and they didn't um i i look i think they can win they should win every game but the packer game um you know and maybe you get akeem hicks back i mean people are pointing to that game as the game akeem hicks comes back so you get akeem hicks back I mean, anything can happen, you know, get in the tournament. I mentioned this before, uh, Eli Manning, you know, uh, took a 10-6 and six team to the Super Bowl, and they beat the Patriots. Uh, he took a 9-7 and seven team to the Super Bowl, and they beat the Patriots. So anything's possible, and these were not teams with, like, world-beater defenses. Everybody wants to act like the Giants had these number one defenses those years. They didn't. They had guys that made plays, and... You know, Eli Manning went on a streak. You know, people talk about comps for Mitch, and they always want to bring up Drew Brees. Well, you know, if he, if Mitch ends up sticking, it's 
it might be more he has a career like Eli Manning, you know, and if he has a career like Eli Manning, plays for 15 years, throws for, you know, 40,000 yards and wins two Super Bowls, well, we'll take it. <laughs> you know, um, it's just, you know, I, I, it, it, nothing's over. Um, and I, I think we at least, you know, a, a, they win this week and we, you know, the conversation and the hope stays alive. You know, that's that's all you want. Like, let's let's just, you know, what's past is past. And uh, they got to, you know, they, they got to stack a win and then move on. The year that the, the Giants won the Super Bowl was the year after the Bears went to the Super Bowl and lost to to the uh, uh, Colts. Uh, the Bears played the Giants at home. And we're actually ahead 16 to seven in the fourth quarter of that game. And they, they scored with, there was less than seven minutes to go in the game and they were still up. That's what's sad about that game. They were up 16 to seven with six and it's just under six minutes. Uh, they scored a touchdown and then they scored a touchdown with a minute and a half to go in the game to win that game. And if I remember correctly, uh, I actually believe that, that Grossman took a shot, almost almost won that game at the end of the game. But um, so just again, you know, another defensive collapse in the fourth quarter, the Bears yeah. ended up going, I think, seven to nine that year. And this was the victory, I think, that really spurred the Giants on uh, to, to going on a, on a kind of a run, they uh, they did lose two games. Uh, they got smoked. Uh, they they got beat by the Patriots on the last game of the year. So the Patriots, this is the year that the Patriots ended up with the perfect 16 and 0 season. Right. And then the they had to play Tampa, Dallas, and Green Bay. Yep. Uh, all on the road because they were the wild card team that year, and then they went to they beat New England uh, on a low scoring game, 17 to 14, to win the Super Bowl. The uh, the interesting they, their front four dominated the Patriots that game, and that's that's you know Brady didn't have enough time to throw, and that that's mm-hmm. the, that's the key to beating Rodgers. That's the key to being Brady is getting. You've got to get pressure in his face and let the guys on the edges contain, right? And and then let the let the interior lineman make the sack. Right. Well, and so, Aaron Rodgers is not having a great season. Like no, the Packers are doing very well and they're running the hell out of the ball. They have about 15 rushing touchdowns. Aaron Jones, uh, who by the way was the 182nd pick in the 2017 draft. Uh, looks like, you know, the best running backs the Packers have maybe ever had in the modern era. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's you know, they, they're doing it in a very unconventional way. You know, they got, they got pass rushers and they got, they're running the ball. And Aaron Rodgers, you know, even with Devontae Adams back, hasn't really been lighting it up. Um, but at the end of the day, they're winning. Um, but they've got some more tough games coming up. I mean, I marked that down as a loss just because I feel like, you know, the Bears winning uh, in Green Bay is always uh, is always a tough prospect. But 
there's no reason why if they got Akeem Hicks back and and they're playing well that you know they couldn't they couldn't win that game. I mean, you know, the Bears could conceivably run the table. And if they, they run the table, anything could happen. I mean, there's no team on the schedule where you go, oh, there's no way that the Bears could win that game. I mean, I think the Lions are about to fold up the tent. Stanford's got a broken back. Uh, what's the point of the Lions winning more games this season? There's no point. They yeah, might you, as well just just tank. <laughs> you, yeah, you've got you're going to have no Stafford. Carryon is their you know their star South, running back. Yeah. He's he's already on injured reserve for the rest of the year. Right. Uh, their their defense has been porous unless they play the Bears. So right. you know there's no reason to think that the Bears can't go into Ford Field and win again. They'll be right. it, you know four at least four straight. Nagy will be four and zero. Yep. You know, he's 4-0, or he's 3-0 against uh, Minnesota. He's 3-0 against Detroit. He's 1-2 against Green Bay. Hey, he's got a great he, record in the division. And, you know, he should have won both games that he yep. lost against Green Bay. Kyle yep. Fuller doesn't drop an interception that hit him right between yep. the two and the three mm-hmm. on, on Green Bay's last drive. And their offense does anything because the, yep. the defense, aside from the one long pass in the second quarter that set up their only touchdown of the game, the defense played absolutely lights out in that game and the Bears deserved a better fate, but their offense didn't show up. So Nagy is, you know, this close to yep. being a perfect, what, 9-0 and against against the division opponents so far? Yeah. In his in his career as as a head coach, mm-hmm. it's unbelievable. He's got he's got almost as many wins against against the NFC North than John Fox had total wins in three seasons as a Bears coach. Yeah, I mean that's the one thing I will say is that I hear a lot of Bears fans out there on Twitter talking about getting rid of Nagy and Pace, and they don't we don't need to do that. These two guys are at the beginnings of their careers. And if they get, if the Bears do something stupid like cut bait on Pace and Nagy, I guarantee you that we will see them do great things for other organizations. Um, you know, they hired young guys. You know, they hired a first-time GM. They hired a first-time head coach. Uh, and you know, it, it just would make no sense to cut bait with these guys. Uh, that's not what organ, not not what good organizations do. Is you know just panic at the first sight of, you know, some, you know, some adversity. Um, I think, you know, obviously Pace has had a spotty record on, he can't find a tight end. He can't seem to find a quarterback, you know, his, his, you know, it's, it's tough. I mean, but at the end of the day, I think the organization is in such a better place because of him and Nagy than it was before they arrived. And I think we have to remember that. And it's about wins and losses. But, you know, this is a proud historical franchise that has been largely embarrassing to the city during its history. You know, save save one year in 1985 and one year in 2006, it's mostly been bad. And to have them be a team, as we talked about in this offseason, that players want to come to and that has a world-class training facility and, you know, maybe 
maybe somehow in our lifetimes they could get a, a world-class stadium too. And that's, you know, that's largely because of Pace and Nagy. Um, you know, it's, Ted Phillips doesn't shouldn't get credit for that, um, in my opinion. He's presided over a lot of garbage. Um, so I just think, you know, it, to cut bait with those guys would be a mistake. I think you, yeah. you ride this out and you let them you let them right the ship. I don't think that's going to happen, Aaron. I, I right. really don't. I think they like the direction this team is going. Right. Um, Peggy Kaczynski last week, I think, put it the best when she said sophomore slump. And that's what we're yeah. seeing. Uh, they've got six games to make a season out of it. We just got done talking about how winnable all six games are. Let's take a look at Green Bay's last six games. They've already played their 10th game. And their bye week is actually today. The Bears, the, the the Packers have to go on the road for four of their last six games. Mm-hmm. And the San Francisco 49ers gave them fits last year. They were lucky to come out with a victory against them last year. Mm-hmm. And they have to play San Francisco next week in San Francisco. Uh, yep. That is, uh, it's going to be a Sunday night game. Uh, then they have to go to New York. Okay, to play the Giants. Uh, so let's chalk up a win there. And, but again, anything can happen. They have the Washington Redskins at home, so that's probably a win. Yeah. Now they now they have to end their season with Chicago at home, which is not going to be an easy game for them. Mm-hmm. At Minnesota, which they don't play well against the Vikings, that game could be a very interesting game. And that could be a game where Minnesota is fighting for their playoff lives. So anything can happen there. And then they have to finish at Detroit. And that's been a house of horrors for Aaron Rodgers for the last several years. So anything can happen. If they go two and four and the bears go five and one, that's going to make it real interesting. And, And you can see, uh, you can see green green Bay slip out of that top spot. Yeah, it's a long way from over. It's, Absolutely. You know. So then the only other team we got to worry about is the Vikings. And when you take a look at their schedule, uh, they play Denver at home. Then they have a bye week. They have to go to Seattle. They have to play Detroit at home. They have to go to L.A. So that's going all the way out west. And, and the Chargers have been playing well of late. And then they got to play Green Bay. And then they end the season with the Bears. Both, both games at home. So so they do have the advantage of playing four of their last six games at home. Right. Uh, Detroit's pretty much done. So it's going to be, you know, it's going to be a fight to the finish for these three teams. The, the sad part is if you just take that Charger game and flip it, and the Bears are right in the thick of things at five and four, as opposed to being four and five and having a much larger hill to climb right well i mean ultimately you're really looking at your your biggest path to the playoffs is through the wild card so you're looking at the 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 cowboys the rams and the eagles and the panthers is who you're who you're watching um you know winning that game against dallas would be huge obviously we've already lost to the eagles but i'm not i don't think the eagles are poised to do much um and the Panthers, I mean, you know, uh, they can, they can, they're up and down, you know. Um, 
I don't that, that they don't scare me. Um, you know, so it's uh, it, you know, it, it, it doesn't it's not that bleak um, as it may have seemed a couple weeks ago. So yeah, you know, a couple of those losses might end up coming back to bite them. But as they always do. When you look at when you look at the uh, NFC, the the first seed is the 49ers. The second seed is the Packers right now. Uh, The sixth seed is the Vikings. They would they would be at New Orleans, and the fifth seed is Seattle. And Seattle is starting to come on strong. So I, I. Fully, I, you might even see Seattle overtake the 49ers uh, for the for the top spot. So that's going to kind of throw, you know, that West kind of all cattywampus as, as well. So mm-hmm. uh, it, it, it is it is an interesting the NFC. There's nothing promised to anybody yet. The 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 Bears do have to come across as you mentioned, Carolina, Philadelphia, Los Angeles. And Minnesota, so they have the benefit of playing two of the four teams in front of them yep. yet this year. So if they can win those two games, if they can beat Dallas, right. uh, so that's that's three wins right there. Yep. Uh, Kansas City's offense is terrible, and they're playing them at home. So yep. who knows what's going to happen there? Well, and the, and there's another there's another stretch here where we play. Uh, good amount of games in a short time you know we go uh giants then then four days later they play the lions then they play the the cowboys on thursday night so there's that's a week in between there but you know basically from the 17th of november to to through the 5th of december that's that's going to tell you everything about where this season's headed well, there's no doubt these next three games are critically important. You're absolutely yep. right. Uh, but then after that, you know, you've got a 10-day break before you play to set up your last three games of the year. Right. Yeah, so, absolutely. So this this is obviously uh, a huge turning point in the season right here. If they can get through these next three games, that sets them up well. Mm-hmm. Even though they're they're only eight and six, or they'll be um, help me here, they'll be uh, seven and six going into their last three games. So, right. Yeah. I mean, ideally, you want to be eight and five going into the Cowboy game. I mean, that's the ideal. That would be where you'd want to where you'd want to be because you um, you know you'd have won the four games. You uh, beat the Rams, the Giants, and the Lions. Um, so, uh, yeah, no, sorry, they would be seven and five going into the Cowboy game. And that's where they, they have to be. Yeah. If right. they can be seven and five going into the Cowboy game, they have four games left counting the yep. Cowboy game, right? Right. So, and, and at that point, I'm sure the Cowboys are going to be a, a, a serious, um, well, it depends. I mean, the Cowboys could be winning their division, so they might not have to worry about them for the wild card. I mean, you know, it could be. I mean, that's the thing. It's like in some ways you want, you might want the the Eagles to win the division um, to get them out of the way because if the if you end up with the Cowboys going on a run and then the Vikings being the next wild card, then we might be, you know, 
in trouble. But as you just mentioned, we play enough of these teams. We play the the, the Cowboys and the Vikings, and you know, so that that they, they they're going to control their own destiny. I mean, at the end of the day, you go six and you know, you go five and one in these last six games, and anything can happen. Absolutely. So. Well, that wraps up this week's edition of Halitech Hall. Thank you guys for joining in on podcasts. We're on Podbean. We're on YouTube. We're on Apple Podcasts. Uh, are we anywhere else? Uh, Spotify, uh, iHeartRadio. Um, there's a bunch of other things that pick up podcasts <laughs> that that, that uh, you find us on. There is uh, an app uh that uh, I'll get more information on, but we are now broadcasting on Sports Zone Chicago. Uh, they have picked up our podcast and it runs continuously with a bunch of other Chicago podcasters on a continual loop. They're going to try to go live uh, here in the next uh, few weeks. And it's an honor to have them to pick up our show as well. So until next week, Double uh, A, I hope you have a great weekend. Hopefully we can talk about a Bears victory again this week when uh, they play the Rams, then they play the Giants, then they play, they play Detroit. So we have three winnable games ahead of us, and that sets us up for the rest of the year. So until next week, this is Mike Halitek with my co-host and producer, Aaron Torricelli. See you guys next week. Thanks, everybody.